Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, you can listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Subscribe to the show, rate and review the show, at least on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, you will be... you will when the next one to do it wins a copy of I Spit on Your Grave, the Blu-ray 4K, or is that what it is? 4K Blu-ray edition? 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. And we're doing that in honor of our Patreon. We did a special episode over there at patreon.com slash pod regarding I Spit on Your Grave, one of my favorite shows. We also have been doing music stuff there lately, too. We've covered Nirvana, Nevermind, Metallica, the Black Album. And coming soon, right around Christmas, the Beatles, Abbey Road. So look forward to that. Those are those three are only on Patreon so far, and they may stay that way. So if you want to hear those, head over to patreon.com slash criticspod to get yourself a credit on the show and hear those bonus episodes. Uh, and then TeePublic, IHateCritics.net. If up in the right-hand corner, there's a TeePublic link. You can get our merchandise, the shirt I'm wearing now for our YouTube uh, watchers, uh, Willem Dafoe and his confusingly large penis uh, shirt. Uh, the Cameron Diaz's shoulder shirts there. The Lord of the Fitbit, plus our logo and other uh, items are there as well. Uh, so T Public, search Critics Pod, or go to IHateCritics.net and click on the T Public link. Get yourself some merchandise. Uh, let's see here. Let's jump right into our show. All right. Unless you have anything you want to go over before we do that. No, not really. All right. Then let's just start with the big one. The super spreader event of the year. Spider-Man No <laughs> Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home. It stars Tom Holland back in the role of uh, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. Picking up from the end of what happened at uh, the end of the last Spider-Man movie where his identity was revealed by J. Jonah Jameson and Mysterio and that he was blamed for Mysterio's death. Uh, he, and, uh, M- he and MJ had just kind of uh, uh, officially made their relationship uh, official, I guess. And uh, they just this just gets thrown right at them. And we just jump right into the chaos that ensues from that, uh, him having to deal with uh, you know the the media the media getting his life and the the, the federal the feds getting in his life uh, and a whole you know just an investigation and all that stuff and well he would just like nothing more than for all this to go away because it's really ruining his and MJ's and his buddy's life so he goes to Doctor Strange and asks Doctor Strange if there's a way that he could create a spell that would make people forget that he's Spider-Man. But then as Doctor Strange is doing this, he realizes, well, I don't want everybody to forget. I don't want MJ to forget. I don't want my best friend to forget. And I don't want my uh, Aunt May to forget. And this really screws up the whole thing. So this leads to the spell going completely wrong and opening up kind of holds the multiverse where people who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man are able to come through into this universe. And uh, mostly it's bad guys. Uh, you've got uh, the Green Goblin, you've got uh, Doc Ock, you've got Electro, Sandman, all these people who know who Spider-Man is, they're coming into this universe to kill Spider-Man. Um, and uh, This movie is pretty awesome. Uh, they, they really nailed this. They really nailed what they were trying to do here. They, they, uh, 
build all these really big moments that are all you know like i really love it i, I don't know understand i saw somebody complaining about this on twitter like people cheering at a movie and i feel like that is weird but at the same time i loved it here because the, the cheer felt earned it felt like something that we built to and it was this really big explosion of emotion it reminded me when i saw when i saw star wars the phantom menace uh, back in 99 at the midnight screen, the very first show, people just went crazy and started clapping when they saw the opening crawl. And I just love that t- that sort of explosion of energy from a crowd. It just feels right. And uh, the movements that this builds to with those big explosive cheers, I, I loved it. I was really into it. I didn't cheer myself, but I was not because I'm just too cool, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I, I did enjoy watching it and hearing people kind of explode and cheer at this. It was a lot of fun. I really thought that uh, that the director here, uh, John Watt, did a ter- tremendous job of of uh, building to those moments and building off of those moments, taking those big moments and building them into something, using characters that you thought maybe might just be a cameo and and building them as part of this story and making them important to telling this, the rest of this story and how it plays out. I was really impressed by the way they did that. And uh, yeah, I, I liked a lot of the, the, the humor is there, the, the, the action is there, the, the character stuff is there. Tom Holland has really grown into this role of playing Spider-Man. I, I find him to be ever more entertaining and interesting. And he's really fleshed out the character. And I really love the ending, the way he, the way he comes to his end is a, uh, very reminiscent of several of the comic book stories that I've heard about, about the way that they play out Spider-Man's life and, and with MJ and his, and his family and how, and so on. This is the kind of thing that happens to Spider-Man in the comic books a lot. And I like the way they did that here. I was really impressed. I, I like this whole thing. I hated this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, more than like last week, we talked about Moulin Rouge and how I'm just not into musicals, but I could find the good good things in it, and uh, it's the same thing here. I'm just so done with this crap. Uh, <laughs> it's been too much. Uh, I, I, everything you're saying is fine and true. I don't disagree with it, but uh, I don't know. I was just kind of when you're introducing the multiverse, which again, I just feel like an I'm too cool to even be saying that phrase. So, uh, let's just go. <laughs> you know, I, that's the kind of feeling I have. We need I, to call Josh right now. <laughs> possibly. But it's like, yeah, I just felt like it was really weak. I think the direction was fine. I thought the story was a little weak getting there. Uh, they explain it all, but it, it has me rolling my eyes a little bit too much. Uh, that it's just too simple and even the spell it's just like it's funny i guess but come on if you're making that kind of spell you're really not going to be doing it like that <laughs> you know what i'm saying you're going to have all that stuff well thought out and it's not going to even happen uh and then i'll be honest with you it annoyed me that the whole thing was about uh saving the bad guys versus sending them back that was just very much like, come on, man. <laughs> this is at first Spider Man. Naive optimism is what Spider Man is all about. I guess, but that was more Aunt May than anything. And then it is just 
we're already complaining about the lack, at least I have been, since Avengers, uh, the second one, where they were afraid to kill off innocent people because that just is not what you want to see. Meanwhile, you have these World War, Universe War events going on, and we're making sure nobody dies at all. Uh, it just it takes me out of it a little bit. Uh, obviously, I can't ask for superheroes to be real. That's silly, so I, I understand that. But the one thing I liked better about the DC movies, and I was in the minority on that, uh, I just, I don't know, I just had a hard time getting into it. Uh, I'm not a fan of cheering at movie theaters ever since <laughs> Force Awakens. Uh, that was a little different, though. That felt more like an episode yep. of Full House where, all right, here's Joey, and everybody cheers when he walks out there. So that was a little different. This one did feel more earned than that. Uh but even then, it was just like, I don't know. It still was annoying. <laughs> and I don't know. I got, I just kind of, I'm, I'm never in the movie. So I'm sitting here analyzing it from a distance. <laughs> and it's all yeah. about generations to me. You got, uh, you got your baby boomers in this movie. You got your Gen X in this movie. You got your millennials in this movie. You got your Gen Z in this movie. And it was just like, if you would just listen to, Generation X from the get go, you have no problems. <laughs> Everything's fine. The right. baby boomers go off with a stupid idea of saving freaking Green Goblin and gets themselves in this whole mess to begin with. Uh, and and then even Tobey Maguire later on ends up being the Spider Man with the most reason. <laughs> so, not I'm sorry, was that a spoiler alert at this point? With as much money as they've made, I gotta imagine everybody's yeah, I guess we can do it. it. I, I've been avoiding spoilers, but yeah, I guess we can go there. I apologize, I just <laughs> shoot it from the uh, that said, what, what what worked for me, uh, is having seen the power of the dog, I've never liked Benedict Cumberbatch until then, <laughs> yeah, and so now it works better for me. And I, I was able to, he was my favorite character in the whole movie. Uh, and I think uh, MJ is it Zendaya? Is that her name? Yeah, Zendaya. I think she's kind of a standout star. She's been doing things up until here, but I really think she really shined in this movie to the point where I think she's going to probably be the most famous person coming out of this movie in the next five years. Uh, I mean, it works. I get it. I just I I'm sick of it. It's two and a half hours and. <laughs> I suppose. I was, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I, go ahead. You please. <laughs> I, I suppose they did it better than most. And at this point, we've done so many movies in this universe that it was fairly coherent considering. I mean, it was completely coherent considering that. Uh, I think that's impressive in and of itself. I just, I have a hard time enjoying these movies anymore, I guess. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought that I was thinking that kind of going into this, but then, you know, what what helped this, I guess, is how I reacted to like Jungle Cruise and Free Guy and and uh, Red Notice with these big bloated, dumb blockbusters that I hated because they're just so derivative and annoying. This one was different just because it was it was sunnier and it was quicker it had a better had a better this is just a better blockbuster like a better way to do a blockbuster like the 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 fan service moments were strong the pacing is better this is just better directed and 
and I was I was able to get on board with this because I think Tom Holland is such an interesting kid. I, I find the I find the evolution of his, of the way he's played this character to be so strong uh, that that I that I he carried it for me. He carried me through you know being being a little bit nervous about how they would get all this big stuff in and get it all done and all the all the fan service stuff and I, I was really impressed by him in this movie so that really helped but I, overall I just thought this was just this felt like a real blockbuster as opposed to those other movies that it just they just felt like lots of money thrown at something that that was going nowhere um this felt like it was going somewhere and i and i really enjoyed the way that he played with those two other spider-men i thought that was awesome their interplay was fun it was really clever for for him to stop down and give them a moment to just chat and i thought that was really fun because i'm a huge spider-man nerd uh, I, I I love this character. Uh, I've come around on this character a couple of times. I don't know if I'm, I loved the, the first two times that Tom Holland played him, but uh, I can't honestly remember the other two movies. But I, I, I was, for some reason, I don't know what was going on with me Saturday. I watched five Spider-Man movies in a row because <laughs> I have no life. And I really just, I went back and I watched all of Tobey Maguire and, and both of uh, Andrew Garfield, and I, and I, I adored him. I, I had a great time. Um, I, I think Andrew Garfield gets too much crap for how for his Spider-Man movies. Uh, and I, I really kind of liked him. I, but I've kind of liked everything Spider-Man's ever done. He's such an optimistic character. He's such a you know a character that is naive but hopeful. You know he's a he's he's got well defined characteristics, well defined you know strengths. They don't continuously give him new powers that he's that he's uh, able to do. They they live within a very specific universe with Spider Man Spider Man, and I really appreciate that. And yes, they add in the Doctor Strange stuff, and that's a whole other universe. But they've built that into the whole MCU, so I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't Spider Man doesn't feel out of place within that especially this specifically this spider-man doesn't uh so th- that was a lot of fun for me and I, I i liked the fact that that instead of trying to stop the villains they're trying to cure them i thought that was a a, a different way to approach this it was an optimistic way to approach this and if fit, fitting for spider-man yeah i mean i don't disagree with that but i i like i don't know if you're gonna i don't you like gritty you like well, Batman. I, I, yeah <laughs> But I also like, you know, when you have the heroes have to have a flaw and is it being naive should be a flaw. And it is, I thought, but it doesn't, but it, there's it gets, no, it gets him into a lot of trouble, but he gets out of it all the way. A hundred percent. There's no other than <laughs> Aunt May, I guess, but she, and she caused most of it. But even then, I don't know. I, it was, I, I'm just also not the, you mentioned those other movies uh, the one thing those movies can't possibly do that this one can is fan service because they're not existing IPs. Maybe Jungle Cruises, but it doesn't have a huge crowd. Uh, so that's and that always it's like the comedian that goes on stage and doesn't really have a you know how other comedians get annoyed at the comedians that just do crowd work and don't actually have a, a set they work together. That's kind of what I feel like with you know fan service. And that said, I haven't seen it yet, but. I'll probably love everything about Ghostbusters because I'm a f- huge fan of it. Not, I'm a complete hypocrite. I'm not, you know, I understand all that. But I just find fan service lazy. Uh, that said, I mean, you couldn't have done it better. Uh, the Spider-Man interaction was really, really well done and watchable. 
and I'm fully aware that it's just the mood I was in there and then afterwards and it just Mm -hmm. never really getting into it all the way and just kind of sitting there uh from a distance you know it's kind of like someone who doesn't like the blair witch project well no shit you didn't like because you never invested yourself in the movie that's kind of where i'm at with this yeah uh you're also worried about omicron the entire time i understand (laughs) (laughs) that said there was i mean I really did like Doctor Strange because it was like he knew he was in a dumb movie and he had fun with it and he made it work. Like he had stupid lines that just that went along with what he was in and yeah, and it and they all did. They all knew what they were doing. They all knew everything that they all knew what movie they were in. And you can't really ask for anything more in a movie like this. Uh, they all played it properly. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Andrew Garfield movies. There's things mm-hmm. I like about them, but movies as a whole, I don't like them. But I, I think Andrew Garfield's a fantastic actor. Uh, Tobey Maguire, I haven't seen him in a while, but I thought I thought all three of them were great here. And I, yeah, Tobey Maguire is just he, he's very he's he's special in this role. He's just he, he's so he's so kind and just so just so smart. And I just loved loved everything he did here and. Th- I, I know it's entirely fan service, but those callbacks were fantastic. <laughs> I enjoyed right. that a lot. I enjoyed all of that. Oh, but I, I really did. And then also being a member of Generation X and being that the best characters in this movie were from, were from Gen X, I did appreciate that. And that the characters yeah. that really fucked shit up were baby boomers. That really made it better. <laughs> uh, you have the overwokeness of Gen Z that got him in trouble too. So the, all of it kind of, it. I liked that my generation uh-huh. was represented well with Toby Maguire and Benedict Cumberbatch. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I I can take that away. Uh, I watched the one after credit scene. Is there two or just the one? There's two. Yeah, yeah I left after the first one because I had a kid that had to go to the bathroom, so I couldn't stick around for. <laughs> I did see the first one though. The the second one was just a trailer, basically for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Cool. <laughs> yeah, which looks like it really looks like it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, if nothing else, I was wondering how they're going to keep going, and they found a way. It's getting more and more confusing, uh, but they're simplifying it enough that you either go along with it or you roll your eyes and you don't let yourself get invested like I did. So, <laughs> well, then we'll get to another reason why I wasn't as big a fan of this, and I'll explain it in a while in a little bit. But before we get right. anything else on Spider Man, before we move on, no, I mean I, I like it. I recommend it. Is it is it great cinema? Of course not. No, but it's it is a great it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's candy. It's pure candy, and it's good. It's good candy. It's high quality candy. <laughs> yes, it's not that cheap shit you get at Walmart. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the novice. The novice stars Isabel Furman as a, a woman who is obsessed with being the best at everything that she does, and this obsession drives her to do things that are a danger to her and perhaps others at times. Uh, the story goes that this woman is in college and she's made it to college in a way that you know she she. She had to be the best in high school. She had to be better than everybody for whatever reason. She's just driven for that. And now she's in college and she doesn't feel challenged enough 
So she decides to go into rowing. And if you know anything about rowing, rowing is one of the hardest things that a human being can do. It is a sport that that will break you in half. It is just it is impossible. Most people who go into rowing go into rowing because their family was in rowing and they did it as, from like childhood on. Like it's just something that that you just don't choose to do at, a, at just randomly. But she chose to do it at random because she wanted to do the hardest thing she could possibly do at the hardest moment of her life. And so she chose. So she goes, she joins the rowing team and she begins to do this physical activity that is just nearly impossible. But she's driven to be better than everybody else because that's just this weird mindset that she has. And it is fascinating to watch. Isabel Furman is incredible in this role. She's so driven and so bizarre and unique and fascinating that you cannot take your eyes off. I mean, like the, the trailer, like somebody commented here on this poster that we're looking at. Vermin is a force of nature. She, you're damn right. She is. She's, she's incredible. She is so driven and she gets, gets you to this place, this mindset of, of somebody who maybe you've seen before, who's just, they don't stop. They're so relentless and you can't understand it. Like, <laughs> You would like to maybe be driven in this way in some aspect of your life, but you also want to have a life. She has no other life. Doing this and becoming the best at this is the only thing for her uh, because she's already the best in, in school. She's already the best at, at, at other things. She's already you know surpassed other people. And you don't even know why she's like this. Like you don't even really know why she's driven to be this way. She just is. And that is fascinating and that's why i really love this movie she's such a unique singular character and and often oftentimes you don't even really see this in a female character these these types of uh unsympathetic portrayals of, of women she's not a sympathetic character she's she's not somebody who will allow you to feel sympathy for her in any way and that is fascinating is she a likable character or is it just are you watching the journey you're just kind of watching the journey. She's she's attractive. She's because she's she's brilliant and fascinating, and she's sexy. You know, she has um, she she's bisexual. She's got multiple you know uh, sexual partners that she kind of visits throughout. But she's also in sex. She's kind of driven to be the best at that too, which is kind of a, a fascinating way to approach sex. I kind of enjoyed that. She's like, I, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to do this, and I and I'm going to do it the, the best of my abilities. Like it's just it's another aspect of the character, which is so great. Does it ever borderline like narcissism at all, or is it just a, a healthy ego kind of a? It's it's not healthy. Uh, <laughs> it's not healthy at all. I don't know if it's narcissism that drives. I don't really. That's the thing is they don't really give you any clue as to what it is that that makes her do this. Like she's just compulsive, just desperately compulsive, as if as if not being the best would would uh, stop her heart. <laughs> like if she didn't have a purpose, she might not continue. Yeah, like a narcissist would sign up for it but be bad at it. But they just be like, I do the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, but you're the worst one on the team. So I guess that's <laughs> the difference between. Uh, the thing. Yeah, she doesn't really care what other people think. She's like benchmarks. Like when she finds out what the best number is, that's the number she wants to get. It's all about the number, the next number, the next best number. She's got to get to the next best number. And it's not even about the people around her. It's not even about being better than them or liking them or, or being their friend or having them be her friend. She's just not interested. 
Is She's it, unlike any character I've seen in a movie in, in years, and that's part of what I love about it. Someone who's never satisfied. Is it... I mean, that can also be a heartbreaking life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that what this movie kind of delves into, or is it simply the the journey? You know, it's fascinating that you say it that way, because I was, in my head, I was thinking of the song from Hamilton, He Can Never Be Satisfied, over and over again in my head while I was watching the movie, because she's like that. Nothing satisfies her. Nothing makes her happy. Uh, in even, you know, becoming what she does, this, this doesn't make her, there's no, there's no real insight into her. You're just sort of, you're on the outside watching this happen, and it's, it feels like a train wreck. It feels like you're watching somebody who's going to collapse and die at some point. And, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's this slow motion train wreck of a person, but yet she doesn't necessarily wreck. <laughs> like it's just from one thing to the next It's just bigger and bigger, more important things. And uh, it's, I don't want to give anything away because it's so exciting. Is this a theatrical release, or, or it looks like IFCs so was probably available to rent right now? Or I think it's available. I'm not sure if it's available to rent or not. I know they did a minimal theatrical release. They might have done day and date, but I'm not sure exactly. I'll have to check this one out. That's part of my frustration, too, which I think you'll start to get here, is that these movies are starting to pile up on me, and that hasn't happened in the past, and it's frustrating yeah. me that I can't get to them and... You know, you got the, re- make- the release dates are so weird this year. Well, it's hard to you, figure out what's going on. You got that too, but then it's also the I'm working more. You got to make family time, and it's like yeah. Uh, and even then, it's like my wife's she our time together is TV related, and I'm not a big TV guy. I hate Dexter, but that's what we're watching. Uh, and so it's like I'm I have limited time tied up in other things I don't necessarily like. I like spending the time with her. I don't like the product that we're watching. <laughs> Even Yellow Jackets yeah. is kind of lame. So we have like two shows that we watch, and then I can get a movie in if I'm lucky, depending on the week and what it is. And uh, we did Spider Man as a family. Then I bought tickets. I had a ticket by myself to see Nightmare Alley. My family was going to leave, and I was going to go straight for Spider-Man to Nightmare Alley, which is what we're going to talk about next. My wife was going to take the kids to lunch. My daughter threw a fit about where they were going, and there was a big blow-up, so I had to kind of eat the ticket and ended up leaving with everybody. <laughs> it wasn't my oh. wife and me. It was my wife and daughter, and yeah. then I had to kind of be the parent, which is what you're supposed to do. But the movie I was most excited about seeing, I did not get to see because one, it only shows like four times throughout the day at weird random times, 10 o'clock at night. It's just not possible anymore. Yeah. And, uh, not getting to see that even hurt Spider-Man more. <laughs> Cause it's like, this is what I need to see. If I could have cleansed my palate, you know, or I guess satisfied my palate after Spider-Man, I think I would have been less, in this annoyed mood. I don't even, I can't even explain it. It's just one of those, like, I feel like I'm just running in circles at the moment. I just want to start, I want to see something good to really, I don't know, satisfy me because I haven't had satisfaction in a while movie wise, or at least it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) I'm used to getting it every couple weeks and, uh, I forgot we talked about last week. So maybe there was something good. I don't remember. (laughs) You realize what it sounds like you're saying. <laughs> what is it? I'm totally clueless. So I'm myself <laughs> in the corner. It kind of sounds like sex. <laughs> like you're used to getting it a couple times a week, and you really wanted a good one this time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's. 
you've got movie blue balls. That would that is wow. That is that is a t-shirt. That is a lot of things. Let me write that one down. You could not have said it better. That's exactly what is going on right now. But correct me if I'm wrong. This movie would have satisfied my blue balls. Absolutely, it would. Jesus Christ. Absolutely, it would. Uh, Nightmare Alley stars Bradley Cooper as a mysterious man named Stanton who uh, we see him do something. Then he goes on a bus and he gets off at this place where there happens to be this carnival sideshow going on. He sneaks into the show, gets caught sneaking into the show by uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, he ends up taking a job working at this you know circus sideshow thing with all these Various different performances, some freaks, uh, a geek show that is run by Willem Dafoe. A geek show is where a guy bites the heads off of chickens. And Willem Dafoe kind of you know, introduces him to this whole world of, uh, of what he does, where he just kind of goes into an alley and finds a drunk and keeps him from food for a while and then puts him in a cage and says, hey, I'll, I'll, here's a chicken. <laughs> that's what you get to eat tonight. That's how, and that's how geeks are born. Uh, terrifying, horrifying. Uh, he eventually falls in with uh, Tony Collette, who's a uh, sort of a mind reader. Her and her husband, played by David Strathairn, have this bit where they, you know, work the crowd. They figure out who people are, and then they predict their future. You know, the classic mentalist stuff. And he takes that in and begins to learn that trade. And uh, he starts a romance with Rooney Mara, and kind of makes her into makes her into his protege eventually as he begins to learn more and more about being a mentalist. And then he takes that, that uh, skills that he learned and takes that on the road and becomes a big star with it. Uh, that's where he meets Kate Blanchett, who's a uh, psychiatrist who has access to a lot of secrets to very rich people. And there's this thing at play where Tony Collette has given him a very specific warning about what not to do as a mentalist. You know, there's a line you just don't cross. When you cross that line, bad things begin to happen. And man, is it cool. <laughs> it, it feels supernatural. The whole way it feels supernatural, but nothing supernatural is happening. It's all playing out in these very, very big human emotions, but they feel like they're being supernaturally guided as if there's a demonic presence somewhere, either inside of him or just overseeing the entire story. Richard Jenkins maybe has this kind of evil quality to him, but again, it's all human. There's no supernatural element to it. The brilliance of Guillermo del Toro here is just, it's a gorgeous movie. It is beautiful cinematography. Everything looks amazing from uh, every frame is a painting. It's just beautiful. But the way the foreshadowing, the foreshadowing Bob is just so incredible because you, once you reach you near the end of the movie, you suddenly there's a scene that arrives and goes, Oh, (laughs) it just reveals the whole thing. It's so fucking awesome. I love this movie so much. Yeah. I can't wait to like get to see it. Uh, (sighs) Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I mean, and here's what's worse. Not only that, we left the theater and my daughter uh, saw a little kitten running around the parking lot of the movie theater, which was bringing her to tears to the point where she was trying to find it. She, she lost it, couldn't find it. I'm like, one, it's a stray. It's not going to come to you. 
Two, yeah. I'm deathly allergic to cats, so you can't take it home. On top of that, we live on a highway. I mean, you've been to my house. That cat's going to get <laughs> worse off at my house than it is in a parking yeah. lot. Uh, so after the blow up, we go to lunch. They start to mend things over. We go to Pet Smart to look at cats and go home with two guinea pigs and 200 some odd dollars worth of bullshit. And we're just like... <laughs> Like, how do I even get here? Like <laughs> the things you do with blue balls where you don't even know what you're doing. It's insane. Uh, I don't need It's. And then, I mean, <laughs> totally another off topic story. I hope you enjoy this, listeners. I, I, uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, my son, I showed my son cats in the cradle because I'm gone all the time working and Rather than, uh, you know, taking it for what it meant, he goes, well, what's the big deal? He's just working so he can provide for his family. (laughs) (laughs) And now he loves the song, sings it all the time, but has no, like, nothing derogatory towards me with it at all, (laughs) which I guess makes me feel good. But at the same time, it's just like, uh, I don't know. Um, Well... (laughs) <laughs> i love that you set yourself up for that <laughs> well i mean i i how do you not feel guilty but the, and that's part of why i didn't go to the movie even as much as i want to this is a, this is a huge sacrifice for me you know as a you know on an individual level yeah. uh, which is something i've been struggling with over the last year then you throw in covid and the lack of the way movies are released just make it really complicated uh and then sometimes it affects your mood and you don't like a friendly Spider-Man movie which for no reason at all then you analyze it to death and you go through a generational war in your head rather than watch the movie uh, but I can't wait to see Nightmare Alley uh, yeah go see it this week go see it anytime it's it's awesome yeah and then I didn't watch this one either and this looks fantastic Swan Song Swan Song stars Mahershala Ali as a man with cancer who is dying. He this is in, set in the future, uh, set in the near future with some very realistic uh, technology uh, that basically would allow him to be completely cloned and uh, all of his memories, everything, him to be fully replaced. He dies from cancer, and this clone goes on and, and you know carries on with his wife and his son, and they don't even know he's gone. Uh, and this, of course, is all about, you know, existential dread and about, you know, uh, a man wanting to make sure that his family is able to be happy after he's gone, even though he technically kind of won't be gone. Uh, wonderful questions and an incredible performance by Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. We talk often about, you know, actors playing two roles. Here he's playing two characters, but they're the same guy. And he's got to find a little bit of a rhythm for each of them that is just just ever so slightly different. So you can follow like they, they do well to differentiate them in terms of their clothing. But he does something to where he gives you just a little bit of difference between the two of them. And it's really it's really wonderful to watch. He's such a great actor. He makes smart choices. And you wouldn't think this is, that this plot would be mostly just like one of those, what would you do plots, you know, those they were popular in the, they're pop, they're still popular today, but they're really popular. Like in the eighties and nineties, like they set up a scenario where, where the, the whole movie hinges on, well, would you make the same choice that the main character made? 
And I think he transcends that. He transcends the question. The, the question is essentially a gimmick. He transcends that by, by investing the character with so much uh, heart and soul and so many interesting you know, existential questions that it, that it becomes more about him than it does about the gimmick. And I, that's what I really, really loved about this movie is just how he does that, how he, he's just so smart. And there's a wonderful bit of casting with Aquafina as a, a character who is another person who is dying, who has replaced herself with, she, she was one of the first people to replace herself with a clone and he goes to see her clone and meets her and sees her living her life with her daughter. And the daughter seems to not know that her, that this person has replaced her, her mother. And then he's having these lovely moments with Aquafina, who is not known as a dramatic actress, but who invests the, she's such an unexpected presence and her and him are such an unexpected duo that they, they don't have any romantic chemistry or anything. Just, just a, a very a fun friendship that, that allows them to have a sounding board for each other about this very strange situation. And then of course you add in Glenn Close, who is just so smart uh, as an actress and just so, you know, she brings that all that Glenn Close energy to the doctor character. She's got a lot of big questions to answer as well. And she's trying to manage his emotions while he's dealing with this very big thing that he's doing. And that's, that's a lot. And uh, I, I, the whole thing is just so smartly cast and so smartly put together. This is a director that I'm definitely going to be looking forward to uh, seeing again because he's made a lot of – he took something that could have been very small and and allowed it to develop its own sort of bigness. Well, on top of that, it sounds like something he could have fucked up really easily. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's really impressive. I haven't seen it, but uh, it's available on Apple right now. Ali is one of the best actors working right now. He's been knocking out of the park right and left. And even Aquafina has kind of surprisingly had some pretty impressive roles over the last few years. Very true. Uh, I I'm looking forward to seeing this one. This one just kind of slipped by me. Uh, but I it's again they're piling up. There's like five or six, seven movies that I need to get to watch for the end of the year. I don't need to, but I'd like to for my top ten. Yeah. Uh, does this or Nightmare Alley fall in your top ten at all? Nightmare Alley does. This one will be kind of outside the like a honorable mention sort of thing. Yeah, that's cool though. Yeah. I did, however, make time for our classic Knights of Kiberia. Knights of Kiberia is directed by Federico Fellini and stars Julietta Messina as a, a sex worker in 1957 in Rome. Um, the the story is just sort of this episodic tour through her life. Uh, she nearly dies in the first scene of the movie where her uh, seeming boyfriend, Giorgio, steals her purse and all her money and pushes her into a river. And she's narrowly uh, revived and, and saved. And she just you know kind of goes back to her life and uh, goes back out on the streets and starts just living her life again. And then we kind of follow through these various little episodes of her life, all of them building to this moment where she goes to this uh, magic show and she's given this, uh, she's seemingly hypnotized into having this romantic moment with this character that doesn't exist named Oscar, who uh, she has this brief, you know, lovely moment with. And then she realizes that, of course, she wakes up on stage and everybody's laughing at her um, because they all know she's a, a sex worker. Uh she then is met at the end of this by a guy who claims to be named Oscar. And he says that, you know, it's, I'm, he says it's a weird coincidence, but I feel this very weird connection to you. And they begin 
a sort of a romance that takes place. He seems very, he seems bumbling and sweet, but there's a dark sensibility that is flowing throughout this movie that is very, very real and very honest about her life and who she is. And, and she seems to be at the, at the, she's at the whim of fate <laughs> and fate doesn't seem to care for her very much. Uh, it keeps kind of doing little things to her to kind of to, to fuck with her. And, what I love about what Fellini does here is that this is not a movie that feels like a thriller. It's not a movie that feels like a suspense film, but when you reach the end of this movie, suddenly the foreshadowing of what's happened before in the movie begins to come to the fore. There's a moment where she's selling all of her things and she's going to go run off and marry Oscar. And she has a line where she just says something about how she's given up all this stuff. She's got all of her money in this bag. You're like, suddenly everything that's come before like what happened with her and Giorgio or what happened, you know, she, that, that nice, you know, um, actor that she met who was very kind to her, but also left her locked in a bathroom for a night, all these little things that happened to her. Suddenly they become, it becomes a suspenseful thing where it's like, wait a minute, is Oscar gonna, is Oscar for real? And then you, then she arrives and you see Oscar, he's got sunglasses on and he's asking, acting very fidgety. Like, Oh no. Oh no. What's going to happen here? He leads her into a forest and up a mountain in the background, you see a river and river Giorgio, the opening scene. Uh, you also have the, the, their caves around and you're like, Oh my God, the caves. She met a woman who lived in a cave who she used to know who was being helped by that very nice you know, man who was delivering things. It's like all of that stuff builds up to create suspense in this moment to where you're wondering is she about to be murdered? <laughs> Is Oscar going to throw her off this off of this mountain into the river? And I was like, I was blown away by how just masterfully he weaves in all of this foreshadowing in these incidents that don't feel connected, but then they are in the end connected. All of it leading up to this really lovely, sad, poignant ending. Uh, that is just absolutely perfect. This movie is so wonderful, and it's been fully restored by Rialto Pictures, and it's getting a theatrical release, and it'll probably be coming around on a brand-new 4K Blu-ray DVD soon enough. And I really, I loved this. This is the first time I've gotten to see this one, and I was really excited, and and it paid off. I, I, I adore this movie. I had a fun little neat, experience with it not enough to satisfy the blue balls like that's almost a separate i feel like i need a new movie to take care of that uh but this one was one where we talked about that movie with Sandra bullock last week where it was just a series of bad luck to the point where you were exhausted by it uh and a lot of it was hollywood tricks too to get you to feel for whatever and part of me was like this is the same thing and it was getting annoyed. I'm like, just because it has the name Fellini on it, that's why we're going to call it great. And as I'm trying to put my argument together, while I'm still watching the movie and as things start to play out, it starts to dawn on me that, well, this is just a series of bad decisions. It's all about the human experience and the way humans react. And just no matter how many times they learn, know, when they know the right decision, they still make the wrong one. And then I more and more, I started to fall in love with the movie while making an argument to go against it while watching yeah. it. I, I mean, this is a fantastic movie. Uh, and I love that about it. The whole, you know, it's not a movie where 
you can sit there and go, I would never do that. You know, it's just like you buy into why she does everything she does. She's very instinctive and very uh, shoot from the hip type of person. And, uh, you know, she just keeps making missteps, but you buy into them completely and it's heartbreaking and suspenseful and, uh, and it leads up to a kind of a classic ending or a classic famous scene from what I understand of how the movie ends where they start to parade around her and all that. But, yeah. Uh, I, it was really kind of a fascinating, fun little ride for me to kind of go from finding a flaw that wasn't a flaw and then for it to start to come together for me. I really, really enjoyed that about it. And it really is, you know, the poster says a masterpiece. It really is. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I was talking a lot about the foreshadowing that goes mm-hmm. on. And there's a great deal of it. And that's what's really great about Nightmare Alley is the, the foreshadowing from beginning to end. It's almost like kind of you can almost draw a line from this movie to that, although that movie is much darker and and, and uh, has a much darker, much edgier quality to it. This is a very fun movie at times. Like the, there's a, when she goes to you know dance the mambo with the actor, even though he's kind of a dick, she's throwing herself into it and having a great time. And uh, there's a lot of opportunities here for her to really just kind of let loose and have some fun on, uh, you know, that helps to keep the, the whole thing very light. Uh, even as the, again, the, the darkness is on the edges. Like the, what is this woman going to do? How is she going to live? How is she going to maintain a life? What is going to happen to her in the future? Uh, you don't know. And, and even by the end, you don't really know what her future holds, but uh she's indomitable at the same time. And that, that, that final moment, you're like, maybe she's going to be okay. <laughs> and maybe she won't, but maybe she will. And I love that. That's such a wonderful way to end it. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great movie. Yeah. They don't need to tell you, you know, yeah. I feel like we're told too many times and, and I, I like that more where we can decide if she's going to be okay or not. And uh, we want her to be, uh, this movie definitely has you rooting for, yeah. Uh, but I, I love that they don't feel the need to tell you. Uh, it really is quite good. I saw it on YouTube. Is that where? Only place I, you can see I watch. I watch it on. Uh, I watch it on Amazon. Okay. So, regardless, it was. I. I it really is quite a movie. Uh, I definitely recommend people seeing that. The, then, and with the restoration that Rialto has done, the the, the the score by Nino Rota, which is incredibly famous, is sound, has never sounded as good as it does now. So, I uh, yeah, it's fucking. <laughs> I I I can't wait to see the actual restored version. I've only read about how great that sounds, but uh, I can't wait to see that and and see the fully remastered version of this because the the version I saw I heard was very is. It was very old, very right. tinny, uh, and and I can't wait to see this fully restored and hear that fully restored Nino Rota score because it's so cool that that opening that opening scene and that opening uh, score is so awesome. <laughs> very sets the mood, sets that Italian mood so perfectly. Uh, yeah, I, I I just I love this movie. I love it so much. It's so good, and uh, I'm shocked I hadn't actually watched it until now. 
It does bum me out that like this isn't enough for me. Like I, I, I want this and more of my modern movies, you know, and it's something a lot of classic movies have that our modern movies don't. Some have, are, I mean, there's definitely great movies and the 2021 has been a great year for movies, I think. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know why I just want more of, I want less IP and less blockbuster and I want more of this and Meanwhile, I don't watch Swan Song, The Novice, or Nightmare Alley, and I watch Spider-Man. Uh, but it's what I'm craving, and I didn't get it this week, and it's not. It's my own fault. Uh, it's it's yeah. so wonderful about a movie like this, because it is, it is so... It's so what is the word I'm looking for? It's just not a typical movie. Like it's it's so much of it is just is just her and just her personality being expressed and and a movie just trusting you to to uh follow along on whatever she's she's doing and you know, not trying to lead you by the nose and not trying to uh you know the foreshadowing never hits you over the head and uh it, it's just such an adult movie like it's such a it's such a movie that that gives credit to the audience that you're not going to get bored and walk away well it's full-blown art too you, yeah. you don't feel the studios saying you know studio heads and people going well it needs this and this and in fairness to spider-man while it probably had that i think they did a great job with that with that formula and they made it work as good as you can but it's still yeah. there and there's something about that that I just don't enjoy as much as I enjoy something like this. So it's wholly original, very simple, but at the same time is so complex in its simplicity versus so simple in its complexity, which is what Spider-Man is. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know. I just I I really adore this movie, and I'm glad I made the time for it. At the same time, 1991. Uh, Proves it's a shitty year by Bugsy, <laughs> Father of the Bride, Jeff Care, the three. And this is kind of the big week for uh, movies. This the next yeah. three weeks will be, and <sighs> those are just let down movies. I don't know much about Bugsy. I haven't seen it in yeah, a it's while. Just, it's overblown and not. You know, Warren Beatty's really boring in it. And, uh, there's nothing really. Uh, that betting is it does turn into you know big star performance. You know for like uh, you know as she wasn't necessarily debuting, but she she kind of steps onto the stage for the first time as a big name in that movie, and she definitely deserved you know her 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 accolades for that. I believe she was Oscar nominated for that, if not winning. And uh, yeah, she she's she's the standout for that. But he, I find again, Warren Beatty <laughs> does not age well on this show. It's unfortunate. Uh, there there are performances of his that aren't that bad, but I find him stiff. I find him to be not nearly as charismatic as many people have credited him with being. I think oftentimes kind of like Richard Gere, I think we grew up in an era where people were like, these men are very attractive and that's all we know about them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, kind of, I kind of see it that way. I kind of don't find the, the appeal that, uh, that I was told is there with Warren Beatty. Well, and what we've been told is not, not Richard Gere. He's like a level or two above Richard Gere. And yeah, uh, I think the word you mentioned it with this that keeps coming back is bloated. A lot of his movies are very bloated. Oh yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I, it's 
just turning into homework almost to whenever one of his movies pop up. Granted, we get like five years in between them, so it's not like it's all the time. But still. Uh, and JFK, JFK is garbage. Uh, Oliver Stone's movies are, tend to be garbage, but JFK is big budget, glossy garbage that is you know trying to sell uh, a really big bullshit lie. Look, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a government shill. I don't believe everything the government tells me, but I believe science, and the science says that Oswald shot him. Sorry, guys, I, it just is that way. I know everybody wants to draw something, some bigger thing into it. The science indicates this guy shot. The president. Sorry, I, I, he, I don't know why. I can't. Why people just can't look at the at the very basic science of this? There was no magic bullet. The there was no there was no conspiracy. This guy did it. It's sorry. If it wasn't a true story, would it be entertaining? I yeah. to you, yeah. Uh, yeah, with most of his movies, with the except, exception of a few, they're just uh, another word, good word is bloated. Uh, he could use a good editor <laughs> in a lot of his yeah. movies. Way too indulged. Way too indulged by studios just thinking he's going to make some sort of Oscar winning genius. And I guess maybe he did a couple times. I don't know. I think just, I think oftentimes, like <laughs> the, the concept that I keep coming back to, especially when it comes to around the award season, is people doing the most of something like Oliver Stone makes the most movie, like the, not the best movie, but he makes the most movie. <laughs> and it's like, you know, when it, when it comes to like the best acting performance of the year, oftentimes it's somebody who does the most acting, not the best acting, just the most acting. <laughs> and we see that play out year after year. Denzel Washington does the most acting in fences, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so we got to give him an award. Whereas Bradley Cooper will do something like he does a night, Morality that is so incredible and so subtle and so contained and brilliant that it'll never get it'll never get noticed. It won't. It didn't even get nominated for most of the awards and probably won't get nominated for any awards. But it's so not the most acting. <laughs> well, at the same time, awards. I mean, he got his award a couple of years ago. Guillermo del Toro did, so they're probably oh, he's good. Let's give it to somebody else this time. <laughs> Uh, next week we've got the Tender Bar, the Kingsman, and Matrix Resurrections. Our classic will be the Matrix. Oddly enough, we've never done that movie on the show, so yeah, weird. Uh, it'll be a good chance to bring that to the show. Uh, another movie I hated the first time I saw. I have not gone back to it since, so I'm looking forward to see if my opinion will change. Uh, maybe I'll go see something to cure my blue balls before I watch it, so I can enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> I'm not letting that go. I like that. Uh, <laughs> and in 1991, again, uh, <laughs> this is the year the best movies came out. Are the best? This is the time of the year where the best movies come out. We got The Prince of Tides, Rush, Grand Canyon, and Until the World, Until the End of the World. Uh, so yeah. we probably will not be talking about those again. <laughs> I think that's three months straight of us avoiding the 91 movies. You know, Wayne's World comes out <laughs> a little bit, so <laughs> the 30-year movies do get better. Yeah. Uh, let's go find uh, some flick chart before we wrap the show up, if you're good with that. Yeah. And where are you? 
Days of Thunder Network. Network. Yes. Freaky Friday, the man in the iron mask. Freaky Friday. I agree, actually. I don't yeah, hate that one. It's a better movie. Corpse Bride Jr. Corpse Bride. Yes. Nobody's Fool Big. Big. Have you seen Nobody's Fool? Yeah, it's all right. I was wondering what your thoughts were on it. I watched it a long time ago, but I don't really remember. <coughs> Obviously, I love Big, so I'll go with that. The Nutty Professor, 1963, Bridge to Ter- Terabithia. I couldn't care less. <laughs> Neither could I. From Russia with Love. I don't know what that is. That other one is. From Russia with Love, Solo, a Star Wars movie. Solo. I don't really Solo care. sucks, and I still like it more than James Bond. I'll take Star Wars over James Bond. What the hell did I just do? Fuck <laughs> Uh, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Father of the Bride. Mission Impossible. A Bug's Life, The Last Samurai. Last Samurai. The Avengers, Catwoman. Avengers. Walk the Line, The Parent Trap. Walk the Line, I guess. Yeah, Fast Fast and Furious, Life. Fast and Furious care whatever <laughs> doom lock stock and two smoking barrels lock stock yeah agreed ghost ship a sucker punch sucker punch it's just more memorable i guess They're yeah, both bad agreed amadeus castaway amadeus that was an easy one rambo first blood part two the help. <laughs> that's not fair <laughs> uh, Rambo. <laughs> oh wow, good. I wasn't sure. If I just was- uh, I've I've been listening to a lot of Viola Davis talking down about the help, and I'm like, I can't watch that movie anymore. <laughs> good. I love Rambo too. <laughs> I hate Rambo too. I hate them all, but it's pure popcorn. I, yeah. I mean, the other ones aren't helping. <laughs> I'll be honest. The last two have not been good. <laughs> Uh, Mary Poppins Returns Room Not the room, room But room Room Agreed Dodsworth 1936 Never heard of it Alright Ted Romy Michelle's High School Reunion I wonder if Ted Would still hold up today I don't know it's been, I know it's only been Nine years I laughed a lot at Ted Though so Ted as Much as I love Romy and Michelle yeah. I remember laughing a lot at Ted. Yeah, I do like both of them, though. At the, again, I haven't watched either one in years. Uh, comedy special. 50-50, Father of the Bride. 50-50. Agreed. Hell of a movie. Yeah. Atonement, due date. <sighs> Hate them both. Which one do you like? <laughs> uh... I haven't seen Atonement, and I didn't hate Due Date, but it definitely was not anywhere near as good as it should have been with Donnie Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Uh, (laughs) Atonement is just pure homework. Just beginning to add homework. Then if I had to watch one, it'd be Due Date. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Teen Wolf, 85. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Agreed. Iron Man 3, 48 Hours. 
I really like Adam, Iron Man 3. <laughs> I did too, and I honestly, the 48 Hours movies, I, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah. I know we're in the minority when it comes to 48 Hours, but I the movie did not play well. This is not fair either. 12 Years a Slave, Heat. 12 Years a Slave. I know it's better. <laughs> <laughs> I love Heat. Uh, just because of the pure <laughs> popcorn. I'm totally going against everything I've said in this entire podcast. <laughs> you're, you're choosing fan service. <laughs> really? Right. Now, there was no heat, too. <laughs> I'm going to flip, but hoping hope that 12 Years of Slave won, and it did. Although I did kind of the Hollywood end of it where Brad Pitt kind of comes and saves the day kind of threw me off. I didn't enjoy that. Uh, the Descendants, Schindler's List. Uh, you know, I Schindler's List is incredible. I would never deny the fact that it's incredible. I'm never going to watch it again in my life. Never. I mean, maybe in 93, I guess we might have to revisit it, but I'm not until then. Because yeah. I'm never going to casually watch it. Whereas I would casually watch The Descendants any day because it's, it's really fun. It's a really well-made movie. I agree completely. Out Cold, go. Go. Mercury 13. Never heard of it. Seven Psychopaths, White Chicks. Seven Psychopaths. Das Boot cocktail does boot cocktail was a huge disappointment <laughs> doa naked gun 33 and a third naked gun 33 and a third yeah attack of the block attack the block as good as it gets as good as it gets attack the block's pretty good though yeah blue velvet adventureland adventureland Right. Yeah, I mean, I like Blue Velvet. I don't want to try to figure that one out, though. Adventureland's an easy watch and a fantastic movie in and of itself. Red, A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. Agreed. Creed, Super Troopers. Creed. Easy. Karate Kid 2, The Cell. Karate Kid 2. (laughs) Adventures in Babysitting, Sonic the Hedgehog. I can go either way on that. I didn't hate Sonic. I, I'm with you, but due to my age, I'll just go Adventures in Babysitting for nostalgia purposes. That's fine. Uh, but I, I agree. I thought Sonic was actually pretty, fairly well made. Milk Elizabeth. That's tough. That's really tough. You're talking about two incredible performances uh, with Kate Blanchett and Sean Penn. Um Man, uh, Elizabeth. I agree. There's part of, and it's not fair to Milk, but I loved the wrestler, and I wanted Mickey Rourke to win. Sean Penn was fantastic. So he, anyway, yeah. there's something I'll always hold against it, even though it's not fair. It's fucking movies. It's a fucking bug on my microphone. <laughs> Uh, we should never I think that's just the stupidest thing in the world that I would hold that against milk but I do so <laughs> I'm being honest uh, Chuck Norris versus communism have you seen this no no but I want to <laughs> yes kind of like that new Nicolas Cage movie coming out 
Captain Phillips the Island. Captain Phillips. Tango and Cash, the color purple. <laughs> Tango and Cash. 